can have a seat. Welcome, Connection Point Church. How are y'all doing? All right. Uh, well, this is our second Sunday here, and I just want to say thank you all for being here and for our setup teams, all our volunteers that are still figuring this out and making it happen. But it's exciting to see new faces. It's also exciting to see you have been around for a while. So first thing we're going to do is we're going to take out our cell phones. Almost everyone has a cell phone now. Go ahead. Hold your cell phones in the air. It's okay. It's okay. Now, we don't have Bibles under the seat like, uh, like we used to at our, our past location or at most churches. And so you can go to connectionpoint.life on your phone right now. Connectionpoint.life. If you go to connectionpoint.life on your phone, you'll see little cards. And you can actually swipe to the second card. And if you get to the, you'll see the first one says Wiley Launch. By the way, that's what you are. You are the Wiley Launch team, whether you know it or not. Um, next week, we're, we're having our, our launch, and so we're really, this, this week, we're preparing for what God is going to do at our launch next week. So the second card is notes, sermon notes, and that's where we're going to be today. It's got all the scriptures. It's even got uh, uh, where we're going to go from this, and just so you know, you can also take notes on this. If you'd like, you can uh, click on here to take notes, and it'll, at the bottom, let you email your notes. Those will go only to you, to no one else, but if you want to take notes and use them later, I want you to be aware of that. And so we have a great uh, message that, that God has given me today that I'm very excited to preach. And so uh, we're going to go to him uh, in prayer first, and then we're going to receive his word. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for every single person that is in this place right now. Whether they're a child in one of the other uh, rooms, whether it's a volunteer who right now is welcoming your people into church, or whether we're here ready to hear a word from you, Lord, I pray this week will be transformative, that it will change our lives. Lord, we anticipate a move of God. We anticipate Connection Point Church being one of many great churches in this city who are going to proclaim the gospel until every single person in Wiley, Saxe, Rowlett, every city around here has heard the name of Jesus, and has had the opportunity to follow you. So Lord, we pray today that you will encourage our spirit and that your Holy Spirit will motivate us to not just view this as routine, but as an opportunity we have in which we can meet with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you've ever had somebody offer you something for free, and then you have the, the kind of, in the back of your mind, you ask the question, hey, What's the catch? What's the catch? Now, when I was in college, I went to the University of Texas, and by the way, we won last night. Yes, you're welcome. And as we were, uh, as I was going to class, the very first week, I learned that there's always a catch. So we were going to uh, class the first week, and I saw a sign that said, free t-shirts. And this seemed like a great deal. And so I walked up, and I said, can I have a free t-shirt? And they said, yes free t-shirts, and they handed me a t-shirt, and then I said, okay, but what's the catch? Because you know there's always a catch. Now, I don't know if they still do this on college campuses, but back then there was a catch, and they were pretty open with it. You had to do what? Fill out, apply for a credit card. You had to fill out a form. But the good thing is, I'm kind of old. There was no email addresses. They didn't ask for any of that, so I just made up a whole bunch of lies, and I got my free t-shirt. And in fact, I had an entire wardrobe 
that was free t-shirts. They all said University of Texas, and they were all uh, um, pretty, pretty nice as far as college wardrobe goes. If you need a, you can do laundry, or you can take the free t-shirts, right? You have options. And so I knew there was a catch, and it was worth it. In fact, I actually, um, my junior year at the University of Texas, I got free tickets to the NBA All-Star Weekend simply for filling out fake information on a credit card application, and it was a pretty sweet deal because I knew the catch and I knew what I was getting, and I went and I had a blast. You know, it's okay when you know what the catch is, but we've also, all of us in here, have had that experience to where you think you're getting something, and then all of a sudden you realize there's a catch that you weren't anticipating. Now, I've had this happen several times. I had this happen uh, right out of college when I had a friend contact me. I hadn't seen him in years. And he comes up and we meet and he's, you know, how's it going? And it wasn't five minutes into it before he starts telling me how he's a financial planner and he really could do a lot for my future. And what I thought was just going to be a meeting between a friend I hadn't seen in a long time all of a sudden turned into a, a spiel about how he, he, he would be uh, really, really happy if I would become his client since, you know, we were friends and all. And that was the first reason. And all of a sudden I realized there's a catch to our friendship. Now you may not realize this or not, but everything has a catch. And, and the difference between uh, whenever you get something for free is do we tell what the catch is? Are you honest about what the catch? What's the catch? Now, a free t-shirt, what's the catch? It's it's worth lying on an application, at least it was, to 20-year-old Joel. But when it comes to church, what we need to understand is that all of us say, Jesus is free. All of us say, you know what, just believe in Jesus. That's what we hear preached. But if we're honest with ourselves, every one of us lives our life as if, yeah, but there is a catch. Now, we don't tell everyone, but we live with this in our mind, it's Jesus and, oh, there's a catch. And this is a big deal because if every one of us in here who would actually walk into a church, if we're honest with ourselves, would say it's Jesus, but there are some other strings attached here that we don't talk about. If we say that, and at least to ourselves, I want you to think about those right now that are far from God. What do they think about when it comes to a church? Now, all of us in here have a line, okay? And I'm going to be uh, kind of ridiculous just to show you have a line, okay? If you were to, to say, you know what, anyone can follow Jesus. And I were to say, yeah, what if you're actively a murderer right now, okay? We would all say, you know what, okay, there's, there's a catch. You, you can't be murdering right now, okay? And, and I say that, ridiculously, uh, uh, that ridiculous thing simply so you'll say, okay, there is a line somewhere in our, our minds. We're like, okay, there's a line somewhere. And so all that means is for every one of us in here, you move the line somewhere before that. And you say, you know what? Jesus is free. You can come to Jesus. It's free. But you got to stop this or you can't do this or you can't be that. And we move the line somewhere. And some of us move the line to, so that other people are excluded. You know, you can't, you, can't, you can't come to church and you can't really be a Christ follower if you are addicted to something. If you are addicted to drugs. If you're addicted to alcohol. But you would, would, would draw the line before you get to addicted to cell phones, right? We'd draw the line to where it's comfortable for us, but it excludes the real sinners. Some of us would say... 
sexual orientation, some of us would say pornography, but we would draw the line somewhere so that people are excluded. But there are some of us in here who we draw the line and we exclude ourselves. We say, you know what? I know who I am. I know what I've done. I know what I've thought. And I know things about myself that no one else knows. And so, yes, I come to Jesus. Yes, I know that, that Jesus loves me, but I've excluded myself because I've crossed the line. Because I looked at something I shouldn't have looked at. Or I've been gossiping or I've been coveting or I've, I've been living uh, uh, something that's not worthy of God. And so we exclude ourselves, and, and we may not say it. We may say, hey, Jesus, come to Jesus. But in our mind, we're thinking, there's a catch. There is a catch, and either I'm not good enough or you're not good enough. And here's why we've got to get clear on this today. is because I'm going to encourage you all to invite, invite, invite people to this church and fill this place next week. And if we're not clear on the catch, then the people out there who right now say, you know what, I would never go inside of a church because inside of a church, they're going to make me believe in Trump. They're going to make me love Trump. Or, man, I don't want to go there because they're going to try to tell me that immigrate, and they're going to say it's all, you know, immigration or whatever. They're going to pick a thing, and they're going to put it on the church, and they're going to say it's Jesus plus that because that's what they see, and that's all they know. And if we're not clear about it, then we've got no shot to really reaching people that are far from God. You know, by the way, I looked this up just to do it. Trump is nowhere in the Bible. Now, trumpets are all over the Bible, but there's no Trump. We should learn to play the trumpet, maybe, because you got to blow those a lot, it says. But it doesn't say Trump. It doesn't have any political agenda in there. I say this very clearly today. When, I, when we leave this place today, my hope is that everyone in here is able to explain the gospel crystal clear. And it may be that you just invite somebody to church next week, and the next week, and the next week, and then someday they're going to ask, yeah, well, what did, tell me more about Jesus because I, I haven't heard what I thought I was going to hear or whatever. And that's going to be the moment where you're going to be able to say, let me tell you the message of Jesus. And you're going to be able to clearly say and clearly show, hey, let me tell you what Jesus said about the kingdom of God. Let me tell you what Jesus said about following him. Let me tell you what Jesus said about eternal life good thing for us is this is very clear. Jesus was clear. We're going to, first of all, I just want to jump off at Mark chapter 1 verse 15 because Jesus starts off and he's very clear about his message. It says in Mark chapter 1 verse, I'll give you a little context with 14 and then we'll go into 15. This is what he says. Now, after John was arrested, that's John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. So we're about to hear what the gospel is because everybody thinks they know what the gospel is. Gospel is just a word that means good news, but what is the good news? And I, I guarantee you if I ask each one of you, it would be a little nuanced, a little different. So what is the gospel? We probably need to know that. Jesus said, uh, Jesus proclaiming the gospel, and this is what he said, the time is fulfilled, the time is now, and the kingdom of God is at hand. That's the gospel. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus is the gospel. We get God, the presence of God. That's the gospel. But how do we get the kingdom of God? How do we approach God? What is the actual good news for us? And this is what he said, repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe. So 
When it all boils down, and after this message, you're going to be able to say, listen, here's all you need to know. If you want to approach God, repent and believe. That's all Jesus said. That's the, the catch. It's not just believe. He said repent and believe. And that's a big deal. Because repentance is how we approach God. And I want to show you this in the text. Throughout the entire Bible, this word repentance will come up and come up and come up. This is not something new with Jesus. This is not a new message with Jesus. So I'm going to go back a thousand years before Jesus. We're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 8. Again, if you're following along, it'll be on the screens, but you'll also see it in connectionpoint.life. Thousand years, there was a man named, before Jesus, there was a man named Solomon. He was the third king of Israel. Now, Solomon was a wise, a wise man. He was smart. And he was, when we get to chapter 8 in 1 Kings, it's a very big time for Israel. What has just happened is he has finished this temple where God's presence is going to be. And then they have moved the Ark of the Covenant, which if you've seen Indiana Jones, you know enough about the Ark of the Covenant. You're an expert. They've moved what is actually the presence of God, the physical, where they, where they would point to the physical presence of God into the, into the, the temple. And so they're going to celebrate, and Solomon prays a prayer. And his prayer is pretty interesting. Now, in verse 44, and I don't have this up on the screen, but I'll just give you, he, he's, he says this prayer just to prepare the, prepare the, the people of the land. Hey, Whatever happens, we want the presence of God here. And he says, hey, if we go off to war and God is with us and, and God tells us we need to go and, and fight our enemies here, we pray that God is going to give us victory. But then in verse 46, he says something interesting. He says, if they sin against you, that is if the people sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin. It's interesting he puts this because you need to know this is something that will be repeated throughout the entire Bible too. There is no one who does not sin. There's no one in here, including me, who does not sin. And so what he's about to say applies to us all. How do we approach God when we have sinned? He says, if, if they have sinned and you are angry with them and you give them to an enemy, so they are carried away to a captive to the land of the enemy, far off or near. So I want to just clarify with this. Every time that you are carried off by an enemy, every time you find yourself in a circumstance where you're being held captive or where you are in a bad situation, that's not because God is punishing you or causing you. That is not what the text says. But if, he says, if you're in a situation where you are, are sinning and the consequences of your sin have captured you, he says, if they turn their heart in the land which they have been carried captive. So in the very midst of the consequences of their sin, in the very midst of their enemies, in the very midst when they think, you know what, we got to fix this first. I can't even think until I get back to my own land. In the very midst of their sin and consequences, he says, if they repent and plead with you, that is plead with God in the land, again, in the midst of their sin, if they will repent and plead with you, saying, we have sinned and act perversely and wickedly. What's interesting is most of us have this idea, and if you have this idea an inch, I guarantee you it's a mile out to people outside the church. Most people think to approach God, I've got to get myself clean. I've got to stop my sin. I've got to stop 
whatever it is that, that I'm doing before I can approach God. But he's very clear. Everyone sins. And when you're in the midst of your sin and the consequences and you're still in that struggle, if you'll simply repent. And then he defines it. He says, if they will turn their heart in the land of their captives towards the land of Israel, that is, if they'll turn their heart from their sin towards God. That's the symbolism here. If they'll do that, turn their heart and they'll repent, which is what that word means, to turn. And they'll plead with you, plead with God in the midst of your sin. If you'll plead with God saying, we have sinned. We have acted perversely. The Hebrew word here is avah. Perversely, it means to bend, to distort, to twist. We have twisted what God has given us as good. And we have said that, that and we have made it our own. And we have gone our own way. We have distorted it. And if we'll admit that and say, hey, we have sinned, we have distorted what God wanted us to do, it says then, admit that you've been wicked. That word, rasha in Hebrew, means guilty. Instead of saying, you know what, I got us into this mess, I'm going to get us out of this mess, you know what, I can fix this. If you say, God, I've distorted what you wanted for my life, if I've distorted it, I have sinned against you, I'm turning back to you. And I'm guilty. That is, I've, I've already been locked up. I'm guilty. Solomon says if we do that, if they repent with all their mind and with all their heart in the land of their enemies, in the midst of your sin, if you repent with all your heart and with all your mind. Let's skip down to verse 50. It says, forgive your people who have sinned against you in all their transgressions that they have committed against you and grant them compassion in the sight of those who carried them captive. That's, that's repentance. With all our heart, with all our soul, in the midst of our sin, we say, you know what? I, I have twisted what you wanted, God. I am guilty before you. You've got to fix this. I can't fix this. You've got to this, fix this. I have sinned. And we see this message carry the whole time. The, uh, 600 years before Christ, the, the prophet Ezekiel, he says the same call to Israel. He says, if you will repent of your transgressions, we see this a few years before Jesus. We see John the Baptist comes. He says, repent for the kingdom of God's about to be here. He's talking about Jesus. Repent. Turn with all your heart. It's about to happen. Jesus comes and what does he say? Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe that the kingdom is here, that the good news is here. And then he sends his disciples off. Matthew chapter 6, he sends his disciples off. What is the message that they say? They go and they say, Repent. And then we see later on, Peter's preaching. And when Peter is preaching, what does Peter preach? He says, repent and be baptized. What is baptism? It's believing. It's proclaiming what we believe. When we look at baptism, it's Jesus. It's a picture of what Jesus did. Jesus died. When we go into the water, it's a picture of Jesus dying on a cross, being buried. And when we come out of the water, it's a picture of Jesus being raised to life, symbol, sim, uh, symbolically saying that that's the same thing. In faith, God is going to, to kill my old self and he's going to raise me in new life. Repent and believe. It's the same message Peter preaches. And then Paul, he says the same thing. He says there's been a time where everyone was ignorant and they didn't know how to approach God, but we know how to approach God now. We have to repent. Repent is how we approach God. That's the catch. 
If you want to know what's the catch to the gospel, what's the catch? It's that you can't approach him arrogantly. You can't approach him and say, you know what, everything about my life is fine, God. I deserve to be in heaven. I can't, you know, there's nothing I need to do. I don't need to come before you humbly. If there's a catch, it's that. You've got to get on your knees and you've got to plead with God, God, I am a sinner. I have twisted your will and it has made me guilty before you. But it's not all he said. He said, repent and believe the good news. Now, lucky for us, not only is he clear on what repentance made or means, but he's also clear on what believe the good news means. There's a story in John chapter 6. That's where I want to go now. In John chapter 6, Jesus has just performed some miracles. One of the miracles is he fed 5,000 people with five loaves, two fish. And people were astounded by this because that's a miracle that so many people saw. And then after that, Jesus walks on water to the other side of the sea. And the interesting thing is, is that some of the people, as they get around and they they disperse from the the feeding of the 5,000, and they're talking about, wow, this is an interesting miracle Jesus just performed. This guy is pretty impressive. And they get around to the other city, they walk all the way around, and Jesus is already there. And in their mind, they're thinking, wow, if I, I need to be around Jesus. And they're not thinking because, hey, the kingdom of God is here, what he's been preaching, the kingdom of God is here. Now I can, I can receive eternal life. I can be in the presence of God. Instead of approaching him with repentance, humbly, they kind of approach him arrogantly. In fact, they come up and they're basically saying, hey, we would love another Happy Meal, Jesus. We would love some more food. You're a good guy to have around at a party because you always bring the snacks. That's basically their mentality. It's very superficial. And this is what Jesus says to them in verse 26 of John chapter 26, I mean of John 6. And I don't know if this will be on the screen because uh, I'm a little early here. Jesus says, truly I say to you, you are not seeking me because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life. In other words, he's saying, hey, you're approaching me not as if the kingdom of God is here. You're approaching me not as if I have the power to give you eternal life. You're approaching me as I've di- I just did a magic trick, and I can, I can fix you right now. I can have, give you a little better life right now. He's like, you should probably approach me a little differently. So what is that? Repentance. He's calling them to Repentance. But then look what he says to him. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, that's what he called himself, and which the Son of Man will give you for. On him, God the Father has set his seal. So now they're getting it, and they say, okay, well then, what must we do? What's the catch? What must we do? Because he's just said, I'm just going to give this to you. I'm going to give it to you for free. And and they rightly ask, hey, what's the catch? And since they have uh, approached him with repentance, with a humbleness, Jesus answered, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. That's the work. That's all you've got to do is believe that God, not you, that God sent him, Jesus, to do all the work, to do it all. In fact, one of the verses that I want you to hear, he goes on and he gives kind of a theological explanation for this. But if we go down to the end, 
in verse 40, he says this. Jesus is still talking to them, and he's saying, listen, all you've got to do is believe that I, that Jesus has saved you. If you approach God humbly and you believe that Jesus is going to save you, this is what God wants. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks upon the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. What does God want for you? He he doesn't want to be angry with you. He doesn't want you to be in in a captive land. He doesn't want you to, to, to live a life wondering if you've been good enough, feeling guilty every day. He doesn't want that. What he wants for you is for you to know that you've got eternal life because not what you've done, but because of what he has done. And he makes this promise that if you'll repent, and believe in him, in Jesus, he says, I will raise him up. Whoever believes, I will raise that person up on the last days. In other words, you will have eternal life, not because you did it, but because Jesus did it. The bottom line is this. The only catch we have is how do we approach God? We have to approach him with repentance. If anyone ever asks you, yeah, you know what, I, I struggle with this, I have an addiction, or, or I've, I've always struggled with this, or I don't believe exactly what you want. Before you ever get into the theological nuances, you need to start, well, let's start where Jesus started. Repent and believe. Let's approach God humbly. Let's admit we're sinners. Let's admit we've twisted his will into our will. Let's admit we're guilty. And if we'll do that, then we are free. The catch, that's the catch. So here's my hope. As we look to the future of this church, as we look to this room being not just full with these chairs, but full to the window to window with people hearing the gospel and people that you're bringing and inviting, there's going to come a time in which they're going to ask, what must I do to be saved? Or what is the gospel? What is this message? And you can't say, well, first of all, I know what you've been doing. You got to, you, you, you've been sinning. You got to get that sinning taken care of. That's, that's, that's not what we're going to answer, right? Because now we know. Repent and believe. That is the message. That is the gospel. The gospel is you get Jesus. And the only catch is you've got to approach God on his terms, not your own. I want to say it a different way. Paul says it like this in Colossians chapter 1. He says, and you... Who once were, y'all say that with me, were, were. You who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Some of you would say, you know what, I'm still doing evil deeds. Paul says you were doing evil deeds. You were doing evil deeds, but he has now, y'all say now, now. He has now reconciled you in his body of flesh. In other words, Jesus on the cross in his body reconciled you. You were sinners. You were alienated. You were separated, but you are now reconciled to God. And who is he talking to? He's talking to a church who has repented and they believed in the gospel. He says, you were that. Even if you're struggling with that, that's not your identity anymore. Even if you still fall back sometimes, that's not your identity anymore. You were that. Now you have been reconciled. In order, Jesus reconciled you in order to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach before him. And indeed, 
If you continue in the faith, steadfast and stable, not shifting your hope from the gospel that you heard. In other words, if you will stay focused on Jesus, not saying, okay, Jesus saved me, now I'm going to go do my own thing. If you'll focus on it's all Jesus. He says you're going to be presented before God blameless, no matter what you were. Which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. Here's my final question to us. Where is this message being proclaimed? Where is the only place that you're really probably going to find someone who will tell you, let me tell you what Jesus actually said. There's no catch other than how we approach God. Is that going to happen randomly at Starbucks? Is it going to happen randomly at work? Not usually. If you're there, it might. But most of the time, that's happening in church. The way that we are going to reach all of our friends, all of our families, is we are going to have to be bold as we invite people to church, knowing that it's not always the first time they hear. It could be that they need to be around people who are living this out in the mercy of God every single day. But before we can go out and proclaim to you, there are some of you in here right now that this past week, you looked at something you shouldn't have looked at. Maybe you thought and coveted someone's life that you were, you know you're coveting. Maybe you've got something that all of us, I would say, in here probably have something hidden in the dark that you would feel shame or guilt and you've tried to medicate with, could be alcohol, it could be food, it could be with likes on Instagram. You've tried to medicate, you've tried to say, you know what, I'm not that bad of a person, I'm not that, and you've tried to keep it in the dark. But I will tell you, we approach God with that. If we approach God with any mindset other than, you know what, I need to trust God with this. I need to bring this into the light and I need to say, God, I have been a sinner and I have been twisting this, calling it good, when in reality, this is separating me from you. If we do that in this room and you walk out, none of us in here has to leave this place feeling chained to a sin or struggle that we are currently have. None of us Every one of us in here can walk out of here saying, you know what? I have truly repented with all my heart and strength. And we can go out of this place, maybe for the first time in a long time, saying, you know what? I felt dirty when I came in, but man, God has forgiven me. He has washed me clean as we sang earlier. And if you walk out of here knowing that you've been forgiven, knowing that you, whatever you thought you were, you have now been reconciled to Christ. If you walk out knowing who you are in Christ, I guarantee you as you begin to meet people far from God, as you begin to have conversations about where your, your friends and family, what are they going to be doing next Sunday, as you begin to say, you, you'll not do it because, you know what, my pastor said I need to invite people to church, but if you'll begin to say, you know what, I found something I found something that is changing my life even today. Even as I try to follow God, I know I'm not good enough and he has forgiven me because there's no strings attached. Repent and believe. That is our message. So my challenge for you today is I challenge you to invite people next week. We gave you invite cards. Hopefully you'll find one or two people to invite with these invite cards next week. But don't invite them until you yourself has gone before God and approached him with repentance. Don't invite people to something that, that you're not 
actively doing as well. But I promise you, if you'll take time this week to repent and come clean before God and to say, God, I need all you. Not you and I'm going to try to be good this week. Not you and I'm going to try to stop this this week. Not you and I'm going to try to overcome it on my own this week. If you'll, in the midst, say, God, I'm not worthy. I can't do this. I've twisted it. I need you. I promise you that message will resound like a trumpet all over this city. So as I pray to close us, I want some of you, if you've been... Maybe in your heart right now, you know there's a part of my life that's filled with shame. There's a part of my life that I keep covered, and I would never want somebody to know about it. I, I pretend like it's okay. I pretend like I'm not addicted. I pretend like everything's okay because my Instagram feed is, is, looks impeccable. I, I pretend like I've got it all together. Don't leave here artificial. In fact, one of our values out there, our priorities authenticity over artificial. What that means is we approach God humbly as who we are. Don't leave this place faking it. So that's my challenge to you. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to start setting up. I'm not going to leave this place until I've given you an opportunity. After this message or after this service, I'm going to be over here and there will probably be an elder or two and our wives. If you need prayer today, if you need to get right with God before you go this week, I want to challenge you to get right with God. Let's pray. Lord, so many of us get in a, a routine of simply coming to church and maybe even getting a routine of telling people we love Jesus and Jesus is the greatest thing that we, we, we know in our life and we tell people a message that in our, our mind we're not living. Because in our hearts we know, you know what, there's, some, there's, a, there's a string attached. There's some catch to this. So Lord, I pray we reconcile with you. We turn our hearts to you today so that we can proclaim what you've done in our life to the world. And we can walk out of here not feeling guilty, but feeling a freedom that we've maybe never known. Lord, my heart for this church is that when people meet us, they don't meet perfect people, but they meet free people. They meet people that are not burdened by guilt or shame. And even people that can admit, hey, I'm struggling with this right now and some churches might kick me out. But here, they'll walk with me. Lord, we lift our eyes to the people that are going to be coming to this church over the next few days, months, and years that maybe gave up on you. Lord, we pray that it'll be us that gets to talk to them. We pray that it'll be our changed life that they get to see. Lord, we pray that we'll be able to look back on this day and say, you know what, that's the day that God not only changed my life, but he changed the other people that I know as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.